Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. This should be familiar to you guys. Uh, This is our Thrive Flame for those of you that haven't been here in a little while. Uh, We feel that we're called to be an on-fire uh, group of people, and so we wanted to define that. And so we have our five flames ignite, which is about the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, or actually that's about our relationship with Jesus. The activate is about the Holy Spirit. Grow is about growing in personal wholeness and emotional maturity. Engaging is being on mission in the world and uh, in our community. And gather is the coals that keep that fire hot. And you guys are the coals. You're gathered together right now. So that's what we're up to. Today is going to be another grow sermon. We're talking about growing uh, in our uh, maturity and uh, just growing as people, uh, followers of Jesus and things like that. And so um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, lean into a growth path for ourselves that would help us to become more like Jesus, help us to become more that we would sort of manifest the character of God. And not just like when we're here in church where we can fake it, but like at home, you know what I mean? With our kids, with our spouses, if we have them, with our parents and people that are closest to us. And so today we're going to talk about um, living in a way today. Now, this is going to be a key phrase. We're going to talk about living in a way today that will help us to thrive tomorrow. We're going to talk about living in a way today that will help us to thrive tomorrow. So one of the things that you guys don't know about me, um, I don't even know if Molly knew this about me, but once a month or so, I daydream about being a monk. Like, literally, I, I just do this every few weeks or so. My head goes off somewhere to my little hermitage uh, in on the rolling hills of Scotland or somewhere in the south of France or something. I just want to go and be a monk, and I just picture myself waking up in the morning in my little room with, like, just the tiny little window, and the sun is pouring, you know, through the window, and I read my Bible, and I just contemplate uh, Jesus, and then I go in and I have uh, my little breakfast, and then I go for a walk, and I'm either walking in the gardens that we've planted or in the forest, and I just connect with the Lord, and I pray, and I experience him, and I just breathe him in, and when I get back from my walk, I go into the town, and I sell vegetables. Uh, it's part of the part of the dream, uh, and come, you know, come back and spend some time reading from the church fathers, doing a little bit more contemplation. I have dinner with my fellow monks, uh, go back to my room and pray and read some more and write. And, uh, and then I go to bed and I've got a smile on my face and I'm contented and I sleep deeply and restfully. And that's my dream. And that, that goes through my head every month or so. And the reason why it does is because it's just, it's so appealing because it's just so simple. It is just so simple. There are no computers. There's no iPhones. There's no TV. There's no rush. There's no demands on me. There's no problems for me to deal with. There's no missions for me to accomplish. There's nobody pulling on me or pushing on me for anything. There's no calendar or calls or anything to prepare for. There's nothing for me to succeed at, and there's nothing for me to fail in, right? And so my little monk life is where I go when things just get too intense. I daydream about becoming Brother Kevin, and I just wonder if I can wear shorts and a t-shirt as a monk. That's 
the major question in my mind, right? But we do this, right? You may not daydream about being a monk somewhere, but you go somewhere in your mind or you do something to escape life. We do things to escape life because this life seems to be constantly piling on, right? It's always piling on more and more and more and more relationships to keep up, more and more bad news, more and more distractions, more complexity, more decisions to be made, right? And it's like, I just want to ask you, where do you go? What is your escape when, you know, we're thinking about Afghanistan and the Delta variant and climate change and everything else? Like, life is stressful again, or life is stressful still. Um, and I just wonder, where do you go? But, but, I want to ask you, could it be possible, is there a way where we could live more peacefully because we live more purposefully? Could we live more peacefully because we live more purposefully? Can you imagine a life for yourself where you don't feel overwhelmed and overcommitted and overworked? Can you imagine that life for yourself? But instead, you knew what you were made to do, you knew what you were made for, and you did what mattered most to you. I mean, can you imagine a life with more purpose and more margin? How does that sound? Does it sound okay? Something you might be interested in? Okay. And that brings us to the key question, the key question that we never ask frequently enough, I believe, is in the intense hustle and bustle of our lives and our culture, the question is, how do we live wisely? How do we live wisely? And Molly, last week, she launched a sermon series. We're spending the next three or four weeks digging into the book of Proverbs, and we're asking ourselves, how do we live wisely? And this is a question that burned on the heart of King Solomon, right? He was the author of most of the Proverbs. And so uh, the question of how we live wisely is what birthed the book of Proverbs. And so one of the things that, that Solomon said, and I want to focus on this today, is this this thing, uh, this just this, this statement. And he said this, and I want... I want you to just like kind of get this in your head, write it down. But he said, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your waves. Give, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. And so what is Solomon saying? He's saying, give careful thought to the way that you live. Don't just live, but think about how you live. Decide how you want to live and then stick with it. Don't turn to the right or to the left. And the problem, I think, with so many of us is that we don't think about how to live. We just live. And so life becomes a never-ending series of just reactions to stimulus, right? So I don't know. Have you guys ever like been on your web browser? Have you ever clicked on something that you hadn't previously planned on clicking on? No. No, you've never done that. <laughs> really? Liars? <laughs> right? This week, as I was working on the sermon, uh, I uh, read an article about male stars who have been body shamed. I, no, I have. It's Vin Diesel and Leonardo and uh, Ben Affleck, just so you know, right? So there goes 20 minutes of my life, right? That's what I did, right? So, um, so the question is, how do we live wisely? I'm going to have an imaginary conversation with King Solomon, right? And so Solomon says this. He says, Kevin, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. And I'm like, what? No, hello, Solomon, right? That's all you have to say? He's like, okay. And so I say, Solomon, how do we do this? How do we live wisely? How do we consider our ways? How do we live purposefully? And so Solomon says this, get wisdom, Kevin. Get 
understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. This is Solomon speaking to you right now. Don't forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. And so, of course, we get it. Get wisdom, right? And of course, he's not talking about just knowing wise things. We can know a wise thing if we read a fortune cookie, right? So that's not what he's talking about. As a matter of fact, if we know wise things and we don't do those wise things, what is? what do you think Solomon calls us? Fools, not wise, right? He calls us fools, right? We become fools in his minds. And so he says, don't forget the wisdom that you've learned. Don't turn away from it. Don't turn away from the wisdom that you've gotten through the scripture. Don't turn away from the wisdom that you've gotten through just life experience. Don't turn away from the things that you've learned from other people in your life. In other words, be thoughtful about how you live. And I just want to say, I believe Solomon. I believe that he's right. I believe that if we were to lean into wisdom, if we were to consider how we walked, that wisdom would protect us, that wisdom would cause us to thrive, right? And so why don't we live more wisely than we, than we do? Why is life so hard? Why do we so often feel like we're just spinning our wheels in life? And I believe it's for this reason, and this will be kind of the crux of our day today. I believe It's because we have not loved and we have not cherished and we have not protected one of our greatest gifts and one of our greatest abilities, and that is the ability to choose. It is the ability and the gift of choice, the opportunity, the God-given ability to choose right or left, uh, good or bad, now or later, yes or no. That ability is one of the most underrated and undervalued uh, powers that we have. Our ability to choose is the key that opens up the door to the blessings of wisdom and the blessings of the stuff that God has for us, for us in our life. And our inability to choose or our turning our back on our, our option or opportunity to choose is the source, I believe, of so much dissipation in our lives. I want to give you some scripture to back this up. So in the book of Joshua, Joshua is putting this to the, to the, to the, to Israel, right? And he told Israel, you have a choice, you guys. And he said this in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the God's Your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, what will he do? We will serve the Lord, right? Joshua said, you guys decide who you're going to listen to, who you're going to fall in with. You can just fall in with the ways of the culture that you're living in, or you can follow the way of God. And we have the same choice before us today. We can choose to abdicate our power of choice. We can do nothing. And in doing that, we will serve the gods of our culture and take life as it comes to us. Or we can choose to come under and submit to and press into the wisdom of God, which brings newness of life to us. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we see God speaking to and through Moses, once again, to, the, to his people, to Israel, and God is pressing Israel, again, to choose, to make a choice. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, uh, this is what the Lord says. Let me wet my whistle here real quick. So he says this. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. And then 
You will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, he says, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land that he swore to give your fathers Abraham Isaac and Jacob. And the message was, choose, choose how you will live. Choose who you will follow. Choose who you will serve. And when we combine the wisdom of Solomon and Joshua and Moses, what we get is this. God gives you the wisdom to know how to live and the freedom to choose how you will live and the power to carry it out. Let me say that again. God gives you the wisdom You have the wisdom to know how to live. He gives you the freedom to choose how you will live and the power to carry it out. And I know that that is a bold statement, right? We've all not lived that way from time to time. But how can I say that I can say that? Because you and I have the Spirit of God living in us, right? Paul wrote this to Timothy. He said this, For God has not given us us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. That is the manifest presence of God in us. We have a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And you have the power, you guys, to live wisely. And that power is really the wisdom of learning how to live today in a way that will help us to thrive tomorrow. And I, I got that phrase from a, a, a Christian writer and podcaster that I really love named Carrie, uh, Carrie Newhoff. And um, I want to give you guys an example of how this looks in real life from the life of Moses. For whatever reason, we're kicking around the Old Testament today. But I want to give you uh, an example from Moses' life. So as you know, uh, Moses was leading the entire nation of Israel to the promised land, out of Egypt and to the promised land. And they were bogged down in the desert for 40 years, right? And so if you, have you guys ever done a road trip with your family before? Like, has it ever been longer than, like, you know? A week, right? It's like tough stuff. So trouble happens. People fight, right? And so in this journey from Egypt to, to Canaan, uh, people started to fight, right? One person would fight with another. One family would fight with another. One clan would fight with another. And all of these people needed to resolve their issues. And so how they would, how would they do that? Well, who's in charge? Moses is in charge. So what would they do? They'd bring their issues to Moses and he would settle all of their disputes, right? But what we're going to see is that Moses was not living wisely. He was not using the power that God gave him to choose how he will live, and it was making him miserable. So we're going to read this, and we're going to start in Exodus 18, starting in verse 13. And so it says this, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning until evening. Sounds fun. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around from morning until evening? This is like going to the Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, but there's only one person behind the counter, right? Like this is misery, right? And Moses answered him, it's because the people, key phrase, come to me 
to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties to inform them of God's decrees and instructions. And Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing ain't good. This is no good, Moses, right? You and uh, these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now listen to me, and I will give you some advice. There's wisdom, and God, uh, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. You must teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. This is what you're supposed to be doing. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring the difficult cases to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves. And they will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all of these people will go home satisfied, which was not what was happening. And Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all of Israel and he made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they served as judges for the people at all times. And the difficult cases were brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided for themselves. And so this situation, in some ways, is actually similar to situations that we've experienced, right? Because Moses was around all these people. You guys are around all these people. And when these people encountered problems in their lives, what they did is they said, I don't know how to deal with my own stuff, so I'm going to put it on you. You have to solve my problems for me, right? And Moses just took all of it on, and he tried to resolve. He tried to carry all of that. He was uh, killing himself with over-functioning, right? He was trying to do the work that he was not called to do, and he was allowing people to just throw their stuff on him. And because of that, there were three really negative results. The first result was this. Moses, and you've experienced this, Moses was worn out, and he was probably resentful, right? Have you ever gotten worn out and resentful because you overfunctioned, because you allowed people to throw their junk on you? Well, that's what Moses was doing. The second thing is, is that the people were resentful because they needed him to do something for them that he couldn't do, right? And so they were, this was just a big ball of mess. And thirdly, and maybe the most important, this overfunctioning, this lack of Moses choosing how he was going to live, it actually caused him to, 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 it kept him from doing what he was made to do. It kept him from doing what he was specifically called to do. He was supposed to be doing something completely different. He was supposed to be representing the people to God and representing God to the people, and he was doing none of it. All he did was ca- carry people's problems, right? And so finally, thank goodness, father-in-law comes and he says, Moses, you have to stop doing this, right? And when Moses finally exercised his power to choose how he was going to live and what he was going to do, finally things began to move forward and things accelerated, right? Because before that, he was miserable and he was off track. And in the same way, I want to tell you guys that when we start to exercise the power that God has given us to decide how we will live, we will see our lives begin to gain traction. We will begin to accelerate in our lives. And by the way, that, is that very word decide, we all talk about deciding things all the time. Do you know that, that that word decide, it's a Latin word in its origin, and it's the same root word as the word that we have for scissors, and it means to cut off. 
In other words, when we decide something, we separate things. We cut them off. We separate what we're called to and what we're made for and what is valuable and important from what is not. And that is our challenge today. And what we're going to discover, you guys, the hint is, is that it turns out that most things are unimportant. Most things in life are unimportant. And so Solomon again says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet, right? And if we do, this will only bring blessing into our lives. We'll learn how to protect our life to, and it will cause us, you guys, to live fruitfully. And so what I wanted to do with the back half of our time together is I want to give you a few tools for this. I want to give you some things to think about, okay? And when I'm calling these ideas or these tools, I'm calling them fake stakes, and truth boosts, okay? So there's fake steaks, and I'm not talking about uh, a sirloin steak. I'm talking about a steak that we drive in the ground. So we have fake steaks, and we have truth boosts, okay? So let's talk about our fake steaks. Now, a fake steak is this. Um, you guys have probably heard about how they train uh, elephants, right? Like they train baby elephants. You remember like, like an elephant is born in the circus or whatever, and what they do when that little guy is uh, is a young thing is they drive a stake in the ground, and they put a leash around it, and he just gets to walk around his little little circle uh, staked to the ground, right? Well, that works very, very nicely for him. And as that elephant gets older, do they come up with, like, just a ginormous Mongo concrete stake for that thing? No. They use the same exact tiny little stake to keep the 2,000-pound behemoth tied down so it doesn't go anywhere that they did when the thing was a little guy, Right? That is a fake stake. That elephant believes that it is enslaved. That elephant believes that it can't do anything. It can't go anywhere uh, because of that stake. But all it would have to do if it wanted to is just turn its little head or its ginormous head, and it would be free. But it doesn't know that it's free, okay? Those are fake stakes. So what are our fake stakes? Well, our fake stake, our first one is this. I have no choice. That's our first fake stake. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like, I have no choice, I've got no, I don't know what to do with myself. I have no choice in the matter. How many times have we said that, right? This is exactly what Moses said, right? He said he was whining to his father-in-law. The people come to me. What am I supposed to do? They bring their problems to me. I have to settle all the disputes, right? And when we say the same thing, when we don't exercise our opportunity to choose, when we say, they come to me, what am I supposed to do? That is a fake stake. That is a lie. We are enslaving ourselves when we ought not to be and when we don't need to be because we have the power to choose. That's fake stake number one. Fake stake number two is this. Everything matters equally. Everything matters equally. Sometimes we can just forget about life and forget about what's true, and we can think that all of the choices are equal. And a major step towards wisdom is a recognition of two very important things. One, that when we're confronted with a, with a decision, actually, quite honestly, oftentimes both of the choices will seem equal in our eyes, even though they're not, right? And we'll kind of treat them that way. I was... Um, I was recently asked by one of our, we have three uh, semi-adult children. I'll call them semi-adults. They're, they would like to think they're adults, but they're really not. Um, so we have three kids, 18 to 20, almost 22. And one of my kids, uh, I was having a conversation with them. And I said to this kid, okay, let me just ask you a question. Do you, like, I want to help you, but I'm not sure how to help you. Do you want me to intervene in your life uh, and do you want me to like make you do the things that you need to do to move your life forward, even if it's an inconvenience to you? Or 
Do you want mom and I to just step back and let you do whatever it is that you're going to do, even if it means that your life doesn't move forward, even if it means that you lose some opportunities, even, you know what I mean? Even if it hurts a little bit, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And this person in our family said, well, can't I have both? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if I could thread that needle, man, you know? So, uh, but that's kind of what we want, right? We constantly want to avoid decisions because we want to try to do it all. But a major step forward in wisdom is learning that we can't often, we cannot do both whatevers and still live wisely. And we need to learn that not all decisions are equal in, in weight. We have to give careful thought to our paths. And so, for example, we might ask ourselves the question, do I want to sleep in or do I want to get up early and have time with God? Do I want to eat dessert tonight or do I want to keep my weight down? Do I want to get ahead at work or do I want to spend more time with my family? Do I want more open space in my calendar or do I want to socialize with my friends, right? These are decisions that we have to make. We need to choose. And our time and our energy and our focus is finite and it's specific. And so wisdom knows what we often don't. And that is that not all of our choices are equal. And we need to choose to move forward in the things that matter most. So that's our fake stake number two. Fake stake number three is this. You're the boss of me. Not you're not the boss of me. You are the boss of me. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to slip into situations that are really ultimately about pleasing somebody else at a cost to us, right? How often does this happen? Even if what we're, like what we're agreeing to isn't a high value to us. Um, a while back, Molly and I were, were chatting with someone. And this is an acquaintance, like we don't know this person very well, they don't come to thrive, and as we were chatting with them, they said, hey, I've got an idea, you guys should come over uh, to my thing on Saturday night, and you can come and be a part of what it is that I'm doing on Saturday night. And Molly said, sure, we'll come, and I looked at her, I'm like, what? (laughs) What are you saying? And I was like so upset, and so afterwards... I said, why did you say yes to that person? And she said, I I just felt trapped. I didn't, I I was surprised. I didn't know what to say. And so I said, Molly, you have to say, let me check my calendar, right? Or a polite, no, either one of those would have been fine. But Molly was not trapped. But the feeling, that's a fake stake, right? And we frequently submit to people's agendas at the cost of what is really important, because on that particular Saturday night, we could have either spent two and a half hours doing that thing with uh, with people that we don't know, with, you know what I mean, people that we don't care about, we're not going to have a relationship with. We could have done that, or we could have been at home getting our hearts, you know, quiet and set for, for our time together this morning. We could have been praying and just getting settled. We could have uh, spent time with our kids. We could have taken our kids out for dinner and, and, you know, like connected with them because they're all on their way out. We could have had a date night and connected with each other. We could have even just spent time with good friends of ours and just had a refreshing time together. And any one of those things would have been good and would have been redemptive and life-giving. But Molly's quick yes nearly robbed us of what was essential and what was wise. And that's what happens when we unthinkingly agree to the things that people put in front of us. And when we do that, we sometimes make them our our, our boss and we become slaves to their agenda, right? And of course, sometimes what it is that people ask of us, it's great. Sometimes they enlist us in something that God is absolutely in. It falls right in line with our values. 
but sometimes it doesn't, and that's why we have to choose, right? Uh, so that was our third fake stake. You know, our fake stakes are, I have no choice. Secondly, everything matters equally. And third, you are the boss of me, right? And so I want to ask you, I'm going to take like 15 seconds, and I want you to just sort of think for a second, what is your fake stake? Like, what is it that that you kind of fall under? What do you kind of, you know what I mean? Where do you tri- get tripped up a little bit in this area of choice? Is it one of these three or is it something else? Just think about that for a second. Okay. All right. So those are our fake stakes. But now I'm going to give you some truth boosts, right? So truth boosts are bits of wisdom that will help us to live in a way today that will cause us to thrive tomorrow. So truth boost. The first truth boost is this. Simple. We're hammering this over and over again. Our choices matter. Choices matter. That's our truth boost number one. The choices that we make today will determine the course and the quality of our lives. The choices that we make today will determine the course and the quality of our lives. And if Molly was right last week, which I believe she was, we ought not to trick ourselves into thinking that there's only a few choices in life that matter and all the other choices don't matter at all. No, every choice matters. Every choice, she said last week, is a brick that we use to build the house of our lives. And the choices that we make or the choices that we don't make will either build our life or they will tear down the life that we have, right? And so the question is, will we choose, right? Joshua said, choose today who you will serve. We have the power to choose how we're going to live, and we can choose to serve God, or we can choose to serve the newsfeed on our homepage, the chimes on our phone, the emails that come in, the social invitations from people that we're not called to build relationship with. What will you choose, We have the power to choose wisdom and the the ability to make decisions that bring life to us. So choices matter. Truth boost number two. I am going, this is, you got to kind of follow me with this one. I'm going to go big on a few things that God is really in rather than giving myself to too many things. I'm going to go big on a few things that God is really in rather than giving myself to too many things, right? So FOMO, what does FOMO stand for? Fear missing out, right? So FOMO is a big deal in our culture. I think it got worse when we named it, right? Like we all used to experience FOMO to some degree, but now that we have a term for it, it's like a, it's like an, another ap, uh, epidemic, right? So FOMO is very, very real to us. And I think that FOMO keeps us from doing the things that really matter because the culture is conditioning us to try to do it all and to want it all. And we're being baited by the world into living stupidly with a constant regret because we constantly are thinking of the stuff that we're missing. But what if we did this? What if instead of thinking about what we're letting go of, what if we started focusing on what we want to go big on? And I actually got this concept from a book called Essentialism, right? And so instead of saying, Man, I wish that I could be on vacation right now. Instead of thinking that, what if we said, I'm really excited because this year I'm getting on top of my finances. This is the year that I get my financial picture squared away, and I'm really, really excited about that, right? This is a better way of thinking, and this is a way of thinking that will help us to move forward in our lives rather than constantly looking back going, man, I really wish that I could do the thing that I'm not supposed to be doing right now. So let's think about what we're going to big on. This is how we get traction in life. And finally, truth boost number three is this. I can learn to say no to opportunities 
and to people and have a better life and healthier relationships. I can learn to say no to opportunities and even to people and have a better life and have healthier relationships. So there's a picture up here, or there will be, of a guy named Adam Richman. Uh, if you guys know who this guy is. Anybody know this guy? Okay, a few of you. So he was the host of a really cool show called Man vs. Food. Okay, and he's just this really engaging, kind of a gregarious guy. And uh, and the whole premise of the show is that he would go from you know town to town, and these restaurants would would have these like dishes that were either monstrous in its proportion or ungodly hot. You know what I mean? Like the the ghost pepper wings or whatever. And so he would go to all these different restaurants, and he would take the food challenge. And so he would eat the ninety nine ounce steak, or he would eat the you know, the hamburger that, you know, that has like six patties or whatever. And, and so the, the, the whole premise of the show is could he conquer the food challenge, right? And so he was great at this. He was fun to watch. His show was just, you know, skyrocketing. It was growing like gangbusters and everything was growing, going great. Except that, as you can imagine, he became uh, so unhealthier. You know what I mean? He became more and more sick. His lifestyle was just killing him. And so at the peak, of this show, at the peak of the popularity of the show, Adam made a decision. He decided to cut something off, and he decided to prioritize his health, right? And so he stopped doing the show because he was prioritizing his own health. And one of the things that he said that was interesting is he said, I disappointed a lot of people because my lifestyle prior to this was I would go places and people would cook these humongous meals for me and they'd want to see me eat it. And it was just this whole people-pleasing thing. And so he said, one, I disappointed a bunch of people. And two, I had to train people. I had to retrain people about how to relate to me. And church, that is what we need to do if we are going to start making decisions, if we're going to embrace this power that we have to make choices about how we are going to live. We may need to train people. And so again, just that's, so that's my third, uh, that's my third, uh, what am I calling these things again? Truth boost. Thank you. Lost it there for a second, right? Okay, so let me sum these things up. Let me sum these things up. So our fake stakes, hope you, hopefully you guys will remember this. Our fake stakes are, I have no choice, and all my choices are equal, and the person in front of me is in charge. They're the boss of me, and our truth boosts are our choices matter, and we can uh, think about what we want to go big on moving forward rather than what we're missing out on. And finally, our last truth boost is that we can say no to opportunities and people and have a better life and have healthier relationships. And so as I wrap up, uh, I just want to ask you, how will you apply wisdom in your life? How will you apply this power that God has given you to choose, right? Solomon says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet. Give careful thought to your life. Be steadfast in your ways. Don't turn to the left or right. Joshua says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So my question is, what will you do with this? How will you apply this wisdom? Don't be a fool. Don't hear the message and forget about it. Take this and start making some decisions. Start making some choices. Amen?